Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. It's that time of the year. Uh, I'm not talking about Christmas, but uh, Christmas certainly is coming, and, uh, and I won't sing for the sake of the audience. Uh, it is time, though, for grading. Maybe you've started. Uh, if not, you certainly know there's an awful lot of assessment coming up. And so uh, Dr. Rhoda is going to share some key takeaways, some key insights, and uh, perhaps you'll rethink uh, the whole approach to assessment after listening to what she has to say. Yeah, so a lot of our listeners aren't teachers. And so for those of you who aren't teachers, my apologies. This one is kind of aimed at teachers, but I do also think there's just some insights in here that might be beneficial for beneficial for anyone wanting to give feedback to somebody and, else. And I would agree with so, that. Yeah. Uh, even if you're not a teacher, everyone in some way, shape, or form is assessing situations yeah. and assessing job performance and assessing people. So And giving feedback mm-hmm. and how to do that effectively. So yeah, it's um, like you said, it's that time of the year. I was working on my final grades for my class right before I walked over here to the studio. So, so. so to be transparent, I had just told Dr. Rhoda, because we've been grading exams and mm-hmm. I, I just had forewarned her, yeah, a little, little, little grumpy today. Um, <laughs> don't take it personally. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to make it through, and I'll, I'll be polished and professional and upbeat, but uh, we all have our moments. <laughs> right. So as we're approaching the end of a term, we're starting to spend more energy thinking about how we're going to evaluate our students' progress as teachers. So do you dread assessment? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I often do. I never liked taking tests. I don't really like giving or correcting tests now as a teacher. I like papers a bit more, although correcting so many papers is sometimes daunting. Uh, and so, do you know, do you feel an uncomfortable feeling in your gut when you announce to the class that there's a text next week, test next week and they all groan? I definitely do. Assessment means literally to sit beside. Assessment shouldn't be about adding another grade in a grade book or giving students a measurement to see how they're doing compared to other students in the class. I really feel for that student when I hand back the quiz or the test that has a really poor grade on it and they slouch down in their desk and wish they could just become invisible. To me, that's not quality learning in my book. So I started messing around with how I was grading. I've mixed up the types of assessments I give. I've changed rubrics. I've changed category weights. But it never really seemed to make a significant difference for me. I needed to change my mindset about assessment in order to make this important aspect of my work more meaningful to me and to my students. So if my goal in assessment is truly to sit beside my student and understand what they're learning, that's what really matters. What is my student learning? Not the tools that I'm using. I'm thinking all, spending all this time on tools. I need to really do that mind shift and be thinking about what is my student learning. My whole foundation for assessment needs to shift. Assessment is all those things I do to gather feedback on how they're doing. That conversation I have with them in the hallway, that's assessment. The email they send me asking questions to clarify, that's assessment. Listening in on a small group conversation is assessment. Watching for their nonverbal signs and seeing them look confused or noticing that their eyes are glazed over and they're tuning out, that assessment is every bit as important as an exam, a paper, or a project. But how do I grade those non-cognitive factors? That's where my personal shift came in. I tell my student it's about learning, not about the grade. But do I really believe that? I need to think the same thing as I assess them. And that is really uh, some powerful comments because, number one, we try to focus on learning, 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 learning. 
and then you look at the transcript and all it is is a letter grade. So, you know, yeah. we live in a culture where uh, ideologically we want them to learn, but we certainly don't promote learning very effectively within the transcript itself. And the other thing that, that you mentioned that, that really resonated with me is with our learning management system, and you, you can do old school as well, we spend so much time clicking and getting and determining things, and we often don't ask ourselves, like you just asked the audience and me, the why behind it. And yeah. that mindset is so very, very important. Yeah, it makes all the difference. So the two primary questions, in my opinion, that we need to ask ourselves each day as effective teachers is number one, what do I want my students to learn? And number two, what are the ways they, they can show me they have learned it? So what do I want them to learn? How can they show me? Here are three tips to help you move in this direction. Number one, rethink the purpose of your gradebook. A typical gradebook will tell you who is good at taking tests and who is best at turning in their homework on time, right? A typical gradebook, those get the real heavy, heavy weight. But how do we know? Does mom or dad sit down every night and help that child with their homework and check every problem and correct it before it's turned in? What about the child that doesn't have that opportunity? Are we really measuring learning or are we measuring how engaged are mom and dad in the process? And really key takeaway with that, if you're a teacher, how do you explain assessment and your philosophy to parents? Because oftentimes parents are all about, well, we just have to get it right. We just have to get it right. We just have to turn it in. And what letter grade did you work instead of the whole process of learning? Yep. So what am I communicating through my grade book? It can become an important communication tool, but I need to be intentional about what I'm including. It's going to be different for each teacher. What do you want your students to learn and how are they showing you that? Figure out how to communicate that within your gradebook. Your gradebook can be this communication device for you if you can figure out how to do that well. It's going to take some thought. This isn't simple. Okay. Point number two, allow students to show you what they've learned more than once. There is a time when it's important to have students do things over and make revisions to show them the importance of a high quality end product. But having a student do the same assignment over and over multiple times to gain more points on the same thing is tedious and it doesn't really measure progress well. Instead of us telling a student to redo some work, what if we asked, how else could you show me that you know this material? Tyler Rablin has an article uh, that I read that kind of formatted my, my thinking on this, this episode. And he has an important insight for us. He says, recognize that not all of the multitudes of standards deserve equal time and focus. This matters because you can't offer multiple attempts at a million different standards. Limit multiple attempts to what is essential. Think deep, not wide, so that you can gather multiple pieces of evidence for a single concept or skill. I thought that was an excellent mm -hmm. insight. Really good. And number three is to provide valuable feedback. Here's the important part. Focused on the future, not the past. Instead of just pointing out what is wrong from their past work, offer them ideas for how they could make it better in the future, and then give them the opportunity to do that. And I, I'm just going to interject there. That's so very important. You know, we, we talk in, in, in ed terms, academic language, formative, summative assessment. Mm -hmm. But formative assessment, how can we help them learn? There certainly yeah. is a time and place for that and, and moving forward. And oftentimes our assessments, and I get it, there are times for summative assessment where you move on and you don't revisit it. But mm -hmm. uh, I often think of exams is such a kind of a paradox here. We're measuring their learning 
but yet oftentimes they don't really receive anything besides the letter grade because they're 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 off campus. Yeah. Um, what have we done? Full disclosure: I am not a fan of final exams. You know, they come in, they take a test, they share with you what they've learned throughout the semester, and you have no time to really give them feedback or build upon what they've missed. And this is the big concluding thing of the whole semester. You want to be able to show them where there's holes or where, and they, they've got the grade and they moved on. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, I'm, I'm not a tremendous fan. I almost wish we could give those a couple weeks before the end of the semester so that we could come back yes. and then give them feedback for the last couple of weeks and close up those holes and gaps in their knowledge. Um, think about it as adults. When we get performance reviews through work, is it helpful when our boss simply states all the things that we're doing poorly? Not for me. <laughs> I like to have a goal. How can I improve? How can I get better? We need help to see what expectations are and suggestions for how we can better meet them. So how do we give feedback that's not just focused on the past and our mistakes? How do we give feedback that's focused on, and here's what you can do to do better in the future? That, that's really good with having an action plan because oftentimes students may realize they got it wrong, mm-hmm. but oftentimes, depending on, on where the student is at, they really don't know yeah. what they need to do to improve besides yeah. just review the material. Yeah. Which, And then we get to the whole study habits and all, yeah. all things okay. like that. I got a D. Now I'm going to move on to the next thing mm-hmm. and not ever understand what I'm missing, right? And we're, we're building on a really weak foundation. So just as we as adults like that feedback, it's the same with students. I am a fan of starting stating a positive and then stating something they missed and then offering a suggestion for how they can make their work stronger in the future. So I have a funny story for you. We, we talked about this briefly in an in introductory course in Ed, and I always use the, the Oreo cookie yeah. analogy, you know, positive, yep. negative, positive. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I'm happy about this, but not so much. When asked what students remembered about class that day, one of the students remembered the Oreo cookie. So, yes, I mean, that was a good takeaway. I was hoping for a little bit more, but yeah. you take what you can get sometimes. That's right. Got some milk with those? Right. <laughs> So, yeah. So, you know, if we can help them understand what they need to do to make their work stronger in the future, if we really want them to own that feedback, we need to give them then the chance to make that suggested improvement. You know, if we tell them, here's how I can make it stronger in the future, then let them do that and go back and fix it. That, my friends, is learning and it's demonstration of learning. And just a reminder about magical feedback. Some of the most effective feedback based on multiple studies is simply the phrase, 19 words, I am giving you these comments because I have very high expectations and I know you can reach them. Now, if you're interested in what that means or more about that, episode 63 is dedicated entirely to that concept if you'd like to learn more about it. So again, three small shifts that we can make, and and they aren't necessarily easy, but they're little things we can start doing to just make grading more relevant for us and for our learners. Number one, rethink the purpose of your grade book and what it's communicating. Number two, allow students to show you what they've learned and do that more than once. And number three, provide valuable feedback focused on the future, not the past. These are small things, but they can begin to shift our attention toward making assessments and grades more valuable for our learners and for us. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from today's topic, how can I make grades more meaningful? Number one, uh, revisit the term assessment. And, and as Dr. Rhoda said, it means literally to sit beside. Uh, ponder that and think how you approach it. Number two, when we're talking about assessment, tell your students it's about the learning, not the grade, and model that for them. Number three, now it's your turn for an action item. 
create your own philosophy of assessment. Rethink the purpose of your grade book. Number four, allow students to show what they have learned more than once. And finally, number five, provide valuable feedback focusing on the future and not only the past. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.